who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hey, everyone, this is John Roca, one third of the Geek Buddies, with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own, and some of you have reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. everyone welcome to another brand new episode from the geek buddies (gasps) happy almost new year to all the geek buddies who are watching us all the fans who are watching us today uh we're excited to be jumping into another show here talking about the week of geeky goodness that's been happening but First, let's introduce ourselves. I'm the outlaw John Roker, writer, producer, and host here on the Outlaw Nation and the Geek Buddies. I am Michael Vogel. I'm a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies. And this is Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer and a television actor where you may have seen me on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Silicon Valley, and the Goldbergs. (laughs) The Goldbergs. That's an interesting topic to be tackled, but we're not going to tackle it. (laughs) (laughs) I just finished watching a Law & Order Criminal Intent episode just because that's like my background stuff with Chris Noth and Jeff Garland going at each other about something. And I was like, oh, the same episode. Yeah, the same episode. And guess what it's about? Guess what it's about. But anyway, 
uh, we're not gonna tackling that here this week. Uh, for those of you who have who are taking a chance on us for the first time, thank you so much. For those of you who've been riding with us on the Geek Buddies train, we love you madly. Thank you very much. The way this works is each of us presents a geek news item. We talk about it amongst ourselves, take a quick break, and jump into the main topic. But before we get started, Christmas just happened. Boys, how was your Christmas? Mr. McClung? <laughs> Uh, well, you know, I, I, one of my, one of my day jobs is performing at Universal Studios Hollywood yes. and it has been very rainy in Los Angeles lately. So that has resulted in me not going out very much. And, you know, just the, the, the period of time in between, uh, Christmas and New Year's is sort of this weird twilight zone of what's going on right now. The world is not right. <laughs> so you add the rain on top of it and for the most, like I'm very cozy right now. I'm in my soft sweater. I'm I'm hoping that I don't have to go to work later. So I mean, I can't complain. Oh, also, I got engaged. So there's oh, what? I was, gonna, I was waiting for that. I was like, I was like, yes, work, Christmas. Like, let's get to the good stuff. Come on, come on. I, I gotta hear about it on the show. I gotta hear about it on the show. You can't text me and tell me this happened. Oh man, congratulations, dude. That's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank wow. you. Well deserved. Mike, you got something to top that? No, I did not get engaged. So I uh, uh, went on a couple dates. I don't know. Maybe maybe one of them's the one. We'll see. Who knows? Like Who knows? Uh, no. While while Shannon got engaged, I got double exposed to COVID the week before Christmas and was positive that me and Omicron were going to spend the holidays together. But after five days of uh, isolating and testing, turns out. My immune system really is as amazing as Shannon McClung always says it is, and I didn't wow. get anything. So score one for my mildly Kryptonian immune system. Uh, <laughs> so that was great. And uh, and then Christmas was great. Uh, Christmas was a lot of fun. Uh, my brother made a big breakfast. A bunch of friends came over. Ooh. We watched Miracle on 34th Street. We watched Christmas Vacation. We watched Die Hard. We took a Christmas break to watch Encanto. Ah. And then um, I ended the day with Edward Scissorhands. So really just wow. a, a rock star day of Christmas movies. Um, so yeah, it was a lot of fun. And now nice. I, just like Shannon, am cozy in my apartment trying to stay out of the rain uh, and should be doing work to get a jump on 2022, and yet am not. <clears throat> yeah, this is that weird week where you just kind of fade into the background trying to figure out what you want to do. You want to get motivated, uh, but it's not easy to do for sure, and especially when it's raining outside. You just want to lay around, listen to music, or watch something and uh, be comfortable for sure. Uh, I went. Yeah, to have some soup, sure. Uh, I went home for Christmas, hung out with my mom. Uh, tough experience. The mom is older. She's a little more frail. Mm -hmm. She's lost some weight. So uh, she had to use my arm to kind of walk around up steps and things like that. So just a tough thing transitioning. But it was nice to see her. It was nice to see my sister and my niece and my nephew. Gave them some great gifts and uh, got to have a really nice time with them and hang out with my girlfriend and show her my hometown one more time. But, uh, you know, I think we're going to be limiting the amount of time we go going forward. Maybe just three days now instead of five or six because I didn't stop working. I was still recording trailer reactions and reviews and what have you while I was there. So you got to keep going. And so maybe in the future, you got to limit that time. We shall see. We all hope you had a great Christmas as well. Everybody hope you had a good holidays, whatever you chose to celebrate it. And if you don't say celebrate Christmas, we hope you enjoyed uh, those random dates. There you go. Festivus uh, right. is for the rest of us. So oh, I hope you had right. a great Festivus. <laughs> all of that. And you brought out the poll. Uh, we're going to get into it now. Uh, I think Michael, you start us off on this one, right? I do start us off. So uh, 
Like many people, uh, you may have braved the movie theaters this holiday break <laughs> to go check out some movies. Like most people, you probably went to see Spider-Man No Way Home. And like most people, you probably didn't go see The Matrix because based on box office numbers, that is how it is shaping up. So in our holiday box office uh, geek results, Spider-Man No Way Home, as everybody has probably heard, continues to swing through box office records uh, like, like a Spider-Man in the multiverse. Um, it has crossed the 500 million mark domestically, which makes it the uh, highest grossing Sony film ever. Mm. Uh, it uh, has made over a billion dollars worldwide. It is easily on track to become one of the 15 highest grossing releases in history domestically, uh, surpassing Beauty and the Beast, which is at 505 million. So it's mm -hmm. definitely gonna pass that. And it's probably just gonna continue to break records because people just keep going to see it. I went to go see it again a few days ago with a friend of mine on uh, on Monday and the theater at five o'clock on a Monday was absolutely still packed and granted yeah. it's holiday break, but uh, this movie shows absolutely no signs of slowing down. Um, meanwhile, Matrix Resurrections came out and in its uh, Wednesday to uh, Sunday release made uh, 22.5 million. Yeah. Which is not great for The Matrix. Uh, and based on um, data from HBO Max and Warner Brothers, about 2.8 million people streamed Ooh. it on HBO Max, which uh, is also not blowing anybody away as far as streaming numbers, but it did decent. Um, a lot of debate. Deadline says that, uh, HBO, that HBO Max streaming it at the same time definitely hurt it. Forbes is looking at like the results of all the movies that have done uh, streaming on HBO Max and released simultaneously and said, if a movie does really good on streaming, it usually does good in the theater too. And if it doesn't do well in the theater, it does fine on streaming. So they think there isn't really uh, a reason. They think it's just that the movie didn't really land with fans. So... Mm -hmm. Uh, that is the box office report. Spider-Man No Way Home, giant, giant win. Matrix Resurrection, failed to resurrect the franchise. Uh, what do you guys think about this? Is it streaming's fault? Is it just that one is an amazing movie and one is not? What do you think? <laughs> I, I mean, to Spidey, like, you know, we've talked about all this year, uh, what is the movie that is going to bring people back to the cinemas in droves yeah. and i don't think it's a surprise that it's one of the most popular comic book characters in the world in one of the most popular franchise if not the most popular franchise right now in modern cinema yeah. um so that's that's not a shock i mean but it what's what's been crazy is just how like as vogel said is how many people are going back to see it again and again and again mm -hmm. and part of it is because yes it's a great movie but also you want that communal reaction mm -hmm. in the theater again. I mean, that's like, I went and saw it again by myself right before we did our review. Mm. And I, I was watching the movie, but I was enjoying just listening, like knowing that the crowd is about to react to something. I've been trying to go see it again, but all the theaters by me, it has been sold out. I mean, there was one showing, uh, it was uh, earlier this week. Because I am I am conscious of, of, you know, the virus. And so I bought the last row in the all the way in the corner, like literally as far away from people as you can go. And so I'm checking in with the app uh, every hour on the hour. And slowly I see seats start to get filled. And as mm -hmm. I park at the theater, I'm in the garage. I'm walking into the theater. I open the app and someone has bought the seat right next to me. Mm. So I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna roll the dice for this today, but I do really want to go see it again. As to the matrix, I mean, 
the trilogy ended with a bit of a whimper. I mean, it, it uh, you, I would, I would argue that most moviegoers probably did not end the trilogy with the enthusiasm that they came into it with, because mm -hmm. the Matrix was just so revolutionary at the time. So the idea that they were twenty years later going to give it another, give it another swing, and yeah. we're still in the midst of the uh, the Keanu sans right now. Everybody wanted to revisit these characters. Um, and the early reviews, I mean, you know, John saw it a couple weeks early yeah. and John's, you know, we, we, we chatted and, and, and I was like, okay, I, I, I don't know how excited I am for this. I mean, again, I didn't like the last two movies. I like the mm. first one. So <laughs> instead of going to see Spider-Man, I went and turned on the matrix at home mm -hmm. and I just couldn't wrap my head around it. And part of it is because I'm not emotionally invested in this franchise. I wanted to watch a good movie, but it was sort of like a fever dream art installation. I was mm. like, I don't know what is happening. Like th there is definitely, it's visually very, very stunning. Um, but at the end of the day, like with the HBO Max simultaneous theaters and on and on demand, um, if I watch a movie on HBO Max first and I really like it, I will go to the theater then to support it. Like I did that with King Richard. I did that within the Heights. Um, this one, I barely made it through the movie. And I was like, yeah, I'm not going to go. I mean, not only will I not go to the theater to watch this, uh, I will never watch this again. I mean, and, and it's not like, oh, I absolutely hate this. It's just like, nah, this isn't for me. I know there, there are the Matrix stands out there that this is their world and this is what they love. And I hope mm -hmm. they enjoyed the heck out of it. At the end of the day, it just wasn't for me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's at the end of the day, that's what people feel. And I, you know, overwhelmingly, I do think the the uh, word of mouth, uh, the reviews that were so divided and so split, I think all of that kind of sank it. But also, as you said, 18 years later, you drop this movie and you replace two of the main characters in Lawrence Fishburne and in Hugo Weaving. Look, I get it. I know Jonathan Groff is, people love him off the Hamilton stuff and Mindhunter stuff. And people love Yahya Abdul-Mateen II as he's coming up. But they're not these characters. And it's I think that was a, an essential part of the, of the film. And a lot, I was, I, when I did my review with Jeff Snyder, Snyder said, those two were the best actors in that, in that uh, franchise. So to remove them from the franchise, that was his opinion. I'm not saying I agree, but that was his opinion. And hearing that from a, a number of other people, actually, I felt like that was a little bit of an undercutting of the franchise as well than bringing in only one of the sisters that have both of the sisters. So it's a fully realized vision for them to complete it. I wonder what that was all about. So, and in the end, I just think the reviews overall, and maybe the people have moved on from these concepts. Cause I said in my review, the concepts are 10 years ago. The things are talking about are from 10 years ago. There's nothing new being opened up in the matrix. So you're just like, okay, where, where is the attraction here? Whereas Spider-Man no way home. That's an event picture. I think bringing back all the people they brought back here uh, on both sides of the ledger were really important in making it feel like, I got to go see this thing or else I'm going to have it spoiled for me. I'm not going to be able to enjoy it. And then after all the reviews came out, it was great. And people went to see it in droves and the word of mouth. Then people went back multiple times. And I think you're right, uh, Shannon or Mike, whoever said it, like the idea of wanting to reconnect, re almost plug back into the matrix of being around people and having this communal experience. I've seen a number of people still tweeting about how much they've gone back and seen it multiple times so they can feel the vibe or watch other people react to it for the first time. It's a sense of connecting with the community again. And it took a film like this with so many people coming back. Because I think if this was a regular Spider-Man film, I don't know if it would have done as well as quickly. Probably eventually, yes. But as quickly, I don't know if it would have done it. But a billion dollars 
That's incredible. And I hope that puts to bed any of this nonsense that it was pandemic related by box office, certain films. It's just that certain films are not appealing to people. And we have to start accepting and swallowing those hard truths, no matter how many of these directors and actors and producers don't want to accept it. That's the truth, it seems like. Mike, you were going to say? Well, well, I do think that I don't know that it's quite that black and white. I think that it is true that the pandemic keeps people away there that there's a threshold like there are movies that you would go see in a theater right but because of the pandemic you choose not to and then there's movies that get you over that threshold like there's a lot of people i was reading an article about west side story where people mm. were saying that you know the target demo traditionally for a classic musical that is realized on screen by a uh, by a major director is an older demo than the 18 to 34 demo. And that older demo is perfectly happy, even if it's not on streaming, to wait until it's yeah. on streaming. They're like, That's oh, true. I'll see West Side Story in a few months. Mm -hmm. I know what happens. I don't need to go, I don't need to rush out in the theaters and see it. It's those 18 to 34 year olds that are like, I need to see this, I need to see this now. Yeah. Um, so I do think that the pandemic has affected box office and the way that people do movies in the same way that streaming has affected it. But I don't think it, you know, I think what, what's really interesting about the two of these is you can point to the fact that Spider-Man No Way Home was not out simultaneously on streaming, so you had to go to the theater. You mm. can point to the fact that Matrix sure. was on streaming, so you didn't have to go and you could watch it. You can point to the fact that Matrix is an 18-year-old franchise and that Spider-Man has been re-envisioned, and you can point to the fact that it's definitely an event film with all the other Spider-Man coming in and everything else. But at the end of the day, I think it's so much simpler. I was reading AV Club had a really funny article after Spider-Man's opening weekend where they were like, analysts are trying to figure out why Spider-Man No Way Home... <laughs> bucked the trends of the pandemic and like it really is simple like yeah. it's so basic spider-man no way home yes spider-man is the most popular franchise out there yes the marvel cinematic universe is amazing spider-man no way home really is that fucking good mm -hmm. it is that good of a movie yeah that people are going to go and go and go because it is that great the reactions that shannon's talking about which are also one of my favorite things and every time i've the both times that i've seen it People are cheering, people are screaming, people are gasping, people are crying, mm -hmm. but they're doing it because the movie's actually that good. Yeah. And Matrix Resurrections, look, I, you know, I think I said this when we did the trailers, I, I revisited, my brother and I rewatched the last two movies. Mm -hmm. They weren't my favorite in the theaters. Upon revisiting them, a little bit more detached from the franchise, being able to watch them, I think there's a lot of interesting ideas that don't fully get realized. Yeah. And I think with Matrix Resurrections, there are a bunch more interesting ideas that really don't get fully realized. Yeah. So, you know, it all is going to boil down to the fact that Matrix Resurrections is just not that great of a movie. And Spider-Man No Way Home really is beyond what anyone's expectations could have been. Yeah. And yeah. that's yeah. why. And that's, that's what it boils down to. Yeah. yeah. I and I think fair. we're also still living in a, an era where films are being released in theaters that were greenlit pre-pandemic. And going forward, yeah. based off of how the audiences are returning, you're going to see an adjustment to what will make it to a theater, what what studios are willing to spend that money on and mm -hmm. what they want to where they want to reduce those budgets and be like, oh, let's just let's put it on streaming. I think right. I think that's yeah. definitely going to happen. Yeah, I wonder if I, I wonder if there will be a post pandemic uh, time. I don't know. You know, it's <laughs> keep coming. This Omicron thing is spreading. You know, who knows? Who knows? We shall see. Before we go any forward, though, for, uh, further, rather, uh, I want to give a shout out to our sponsor for the show here and for the channel, for the Outlaw Nation channel and, and the Geek Buddies, Carbon Health. Uh, they're a leading national healthcare provider with a mission to bring high quality healthcare to everyone urgent care, primary care, virtual care. They've got 90 clinics in 14 states and offer virtual care in 24 states. 
You go to carbonhealth.com to see if there's a, a clinic or a place near you or get some virtual care from them if you've got any concerns. And hey, coming out of Christmas, all the stuff we're eating, walking on slippery, rainy floors, you never know <laughs> what can happen out there. And so make sure you've got carbonhealth.com nearby to help you out with any of your medical needs as they come up in this holiday season. Everyone deserves good health. It's true. I mean, look, you can be a Shannon McClung and be very cautious when you go to the movie theater and yeah. uh, and play it safe. Or you can be a Michael Vogel and make out with somebody who texts you the next day and says that they're positive for COVID. So either way, it's good to have Carbon Health nearby just in case. You made just out with case. a person who's positive with COVID and still didn't get it? Yeah. Just in case you don't have the Vogel mutant healing factor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the Wolverine gene. <laughs> The Wolf Vogel gene. Uh, anyway, <laughs> let's move on. All right, our next topic here, we're going to talk about celebrity feuds. Da, 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 celebrity feuds here. Uh, this Dwayne Johnson and Vin Diesel feud will not go away. I told the boys I wanted to put this on the rundown because there's a new chapter, a new update. Apparently, a few days ago, Vin Diesel made a public appeal to Dwayne Johnson to return to the main timeline of the Fast and Furious franchise for its final installments. He even mentioned his kids. He brought in Paul Walker's death. He did all of this to try to get, uh, try to bury the hatchet, but of course called him little brother in a, <laughs> in a commentary a couple of weeks ago as well. So the rock was asked about this recently. He's promoting red notice still and said, I was very surprised by Vin's recent post this past June when Vin and I actually connected, not over social media. I told him directly and privately that I would not be returning to the franchise. I was firm yet cordial with my words and said that I would always be supportive of the cast and always root for the franchise to be successful, but that there was no chance I would return. I have privately spoke with my partners at Universal as well, uh, all of whom are very supportive as they understand the problem. Uh, now, the Hollywood Reporter described this as two titans going at it. Let me clarify something for you. Uh, Vin Diesel, not a titan. Ro Dwayne The Rock Johnson, absolutely a media titan. You know, Vin Diesel, one franchise. I guess you can throw in Riddick, but really one franchise. The Rock uh, well, succeeding in multiple franchises for God's The sake. biggest franchise in the world, but sure. Sure, an ensemble of, piece, I guess. Uh, yeah, but an ensemble piece nonetheless. So, uh, all right. Well, gentlemen, thoughts on this? Uh, what are you feeling about? Uh, why does this keep going? And do you think at some point it's like, you know what? I dated you a few years ago, and uh, I was still <laughs> figuring out who the hell I was. And now that I've moved on, you keep wanting to bring me back to this time in my life when we were together, and I just don't feel that way anymore. I'm a different person. Please let me move on. What do you think? Do you think that's what's going on? I mean, I listen, I think what's going on is, I think this is just the celebrity feud that just keeps on giving. Uh, <laughs> it, it really does. I, I think it's just funny because what is very clear, uh, aside from one time when when uh Dwayne Johnson kind of said something on social media that he has since said I wished I hadn't said it that way I wish right. I, I think I, I think I got I let my I let my sort of uh, anger get the best of me or whatever mm -hmm. aside from that one time this is very much like the feud between San Francisco and Los Angeles where like everyone in San Francisco talks about how much better they are than Los Angeles and how much they hate Los Angeles and everyone in Los Angeles was like we don't think about you like, we don't care. And that, like, it's like Vin Diesel is constantly kind of circling back on this thing. Hey, it's true. It's Ask the first time it. I've ever heard of an issue between San Francisco and L.A. What? Listen, I can see L.A. and New York. Or LA that's, because LA, that's because L.A. doesn't care. You never heard about it. But anytime you talk to your San Francisco people, they're like, oh, yeah, we're way better. And you're like, okay, cool. 
For all of our Ooh. Northern California audience members, feel yeah. free to chime in here. Yeah, I'm saying. <laughs> but no, I just think it's like the the like like Vin Diesel is either he's either like upset that the rock is overshadowing him yeah. or then he realizes that it's better for the franchise to have him. And so he's like, I'm going to do this. But even when he tries to get him to be in the franchise, he says it in a way that's sort of shitty. And meanwhile, yeah. the rock has been like, I am taking the high road in this. And is always just like, I have spoken with him. I have said, I'm not coming back. That is the end of that. Yeah. I, I, everybody knows what the issues are and I'm not going to deal with it. And he's just taking the high road and I just love it because I love the rock. So I love watching him take the high road <laughs> while, while you know that these two dudes hate each other oh, yeah. with a fiery, fiery passion. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and just to add to the Shannon, before you chime in here, Vin's recent public post, this is the rock going forward said Vince Re Vince's recent public post was an example of his manipulation. He called it manipulation. I didn't like that. He brought up his children in the post as well as Paul Walker's death. And when he mentioned Paul Walker, Vince said, I promised Paul Walker that I would end this franchise. Right. Oh my God. Leave them out of it. He said, we had spoken months ago about this and came to a clear understanding. My goal all along was to end my amazing journey with this incredible fast furious franchise with gratitude and grace. It's unfortunate that this public dialogue has muddied the waters regardless as Michael was saying, taking the high road, I'm confident in the Fast Universe and its ability to consistently deliver for the audience, and I truly wish my former co-stars and crew members the best of love, luck, and success in the next chapter. So, yeah, taking the high road all around here. What, what do you think about it, Chan? Yeah, I mean, that's... I, I don't think it's a coincidence that uh, most of Vin Diesel's modern uh, uh, modern movie resume, yeah. um, it's, it's, fast, it's Fast and Furious. And that The Rock, apparently, everybody loves working with him. So, yeah. I mean, that kind of tells you all you really need to know is that I think Vin Diesel in the world of Fast and the Furious is a titan. But mm -hmm. it's a it's an insulated world. Granted, it's one of the biggest franchises in the world. But going forward, like his his experimentation, like when he didn't want to come back for Fast 2 because he was doing Triple X. And then he didn't want to come back for Triple X 2. It's just like, okay, this guy wants it seems like he's a bit of a micromanager he wants to be in charge mm. of everything and no one talks about you know people clamoring to go work with him that's at yeah. least that's what it sounds like yeah. whereas the rock i mean he, it seems like he's made some very good some very good genuine friendships out of like kevin hart out of ryan reynolds out of hugh jackman i mean right. it seems and the guy and you cannot argue the guy's work ethic i mean yeah. all the stuff that he does i mean it's it's shocking i mean you know young young rock shoots in australia yeah, uh, I don't know if it's the whole shoot, but it's definitely part of it. And it's because The Rock sometimes is there shooting a movie and like he's able to do two things at once. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I don't think Vin Diesel is a bad actor. I think he's been been pretty bad in some stuff. But I mean, mm -hmm. if you look back at like what he did in small supporting role, but what he did in Saving Private Ryan, I was just mm -hmm. like, that guy's good. Like that guy's really, really good. And it just seems like he got a little drunk on the drunk on the celebrity drunk on the star power and going out now it, it you know it's it's a shame because i think mm. there probably were some good performances in him that we're probably never going to see now because yeah. he's sort of a victim of, of his own ego which is a shame but i mean the rock as you guys said the rock has taken the high road there's no there's no benefit to getting down in the mud with this he's just like no mm. I've, I've said no good luck everybody yeah
we'll see well, later. <laughs> and it's it's really telling that he is revealing that they had a behind the scenes discussion, that they had a personal one on one discussion off of social media. He was willing to at least have the conversation with Vin Diesel face or whether it was face to face or on the phone. He at least was talking to him in person in that way and and made it very clear. So for Vin to go out and start to publicly plead for him to come back, that's a PR move. And that's very much a betrayal of the conversation and trying to use the public to shame you as the rock said manipulation to manipulate you into this situation where you look like the bad guy. And that's a really terrible thing to do to somebody when they've taken the time to speak to you and say, Hey, I'm not coming back. It was cool. I wish you the best move on. You're going to be great. I'm going to do my thing, man. It's cool. And I imagine Vin probably said, okay, man, I get it. No worries. It's fine. You know, I had to try, blah, blah, blah. And then for him to turn around and do this, I think it's such a slap in the face to someone like uh, The Rock, who, like, as Shannon said, nobody says anything negative about The Rock. Almost everybody to a person says he's a really great person to work with uh, and, uh, you know, do stuff with. So just well, and you've met you And you've interviewed him twice, right? Though? Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, interviews are only, you know, there's only a microcosm, you know, he's putting on his best face to promote, but he, when, behind the scenes, I, I spoke to a number of members of his, uh, of his company at that time. And they all spoke glowingly and not that ass kissing glowingly, like honest glowingly about working with him. So it, it just, uh, as you said, Shannon, everyone talks about, how much they enjoy things with him. So, and, and I, I agree with you as well, Shane. I think Vin, Vin could have gone the, I'm not going to go the full on franchise route. He could have found these more smaller roles, built his way towards back to prominence. But I think that find me guilty experience, maybe kind of burnt him a little bit. And he was like, well, I got to make money. I'm going to be famous. I'm going to do this. But the problem is when he tries to branch out of that, people don't go see his stuff. And, and that's a tough situation for sure. So we'll see what happens, but hopefully this is the end of it. Cause man, bringing in your kids and Paul Walker's death. That's just, man, this is the lines you don't want to cross, man, for sure. Um, all right, let's jump into our next thing. What do we got, uh, Shannon? Which would be trailers, trailers just two this week. Okay. But <laughs> as everyone knows, I'm a huge adventure movie fan. And in the first quarter of 2022, we're getting two big adventure movies, which both look like a pretty big roll of the dice. We'll see what happens. Our first trailer <laughs> that we're going to talk about actually came out a, a few weeks ago, but as we didn't do a show last week because we were we were uh, taking some time off for the holidays. Um, yeah. So we're going to talk about The Lost City starring Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum. So the the uh, little logline is a reclusive romance novelist on a book tour with her cover model gets swept up in a kidnapping attempt that lands them both in a cutthroat jungle adventure. If you're thinking to yourself, this kind of sounds like romancing the stone, you are absolutely right <laughs> but the trailer for this does look very very entertaining i mean channing tatum is a really really gifted comedic performer sandra bullock is hilarious you've got daniel radcliffe in the heavy role and you've got brad pitt popping up for a little bit so i i, I have some more comments but i'll throw it to you gentlemen first what did you all think at our first look at the lost city mikey uh yeah i mean you're 100 right i'm watching it and i'm like this is romancing the stone like i've seen this um but you know it's a little bit different like channing tatum as like the cover model of her books trying who is also equally inept at adventuring interesting daniel radcliffe like they're clearly sandra bullock's novels have a, a hint of truth to them brad pitt showing up i don't know what honestly i'm gonna go see this movie for sandra bullock i think that the thing about sandra bullock that's amazing is that we, you know, she's done some amazing dramatic roles. She's done all kinds of things. She's like, you know, she's definitely a tried and true movie star. She is funny AF. Like she is so good when you give her 
a straight up comedic comedic role like not an action suspense thriller not a drama whatever like just be funny 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 she delivers and i think people often forget because we think of her in some of her bigger like more well-known roles but uh she's hilarious and even in this trailer it's like yeah i will go see her like i I agree with you that channing tatum is great daniel radcliffe and brad pitt look like they're both like kids on the playground having the time of their lives could this movie be completely stupid a hundred percent but uh but i i'll go see i'll go see sandra bullock in pretty much anything yeah yeah this looks like a lot of fun yeah it's got the Romancing the Stone vibes for sure, but also throwing in the Brad Pitt equ- into the equation is a lot of fun. That's a nice little kind of X factor. That you don't know how that's going to play out. And I have a weird suspicion that Channing isn't as dumb as he's leading on, leading on in the trailer, and there might be more going on with him than we expect. Uh, so I, you know, I just, I just have a feeling, you know, because uh, it's such a, it's, it's. I don't know if it's a role for him to play that he needs to do anymore. He's done it in a million films, so I'm, I wonder if maybe he's asked for something more with the role to have a little fun with it and play around with it and make it different uh, than than a full-on romancing the stone. But I liked it, and I agree with you, Michael. Sandra Bullock, just great. I mean, anything, I watched, I, I tried to watch that prison film. I gave it about an hour. I just couldn't do it. But I will at least try to watch everything that she's in because she's at this stage in her life where she is a very accomplished, strong, powerful actress, and it's fun to watch her take on these different types of roles and then go back to what made her great which were these romantic comedies or these funny little films i still love the heat still one of the greatest laugh moments ever in the history of my going to a movie <laughs> and so i i always go if it's a comedy and it's sandra bullock i'm gonna watch it because nine times out of ten i'm gonna enjoy the hell out of it and she's great so I, i'm curious to see what we're gonna get plus it's interesting uh you know we know uh, I think we know some romance authors. So what, how's that going to play into this? Uh, what are some of the, the innuendos or the kind of behind the scenes shots that are going to be taken about that? It could be funny that we might get a little bit. It would be uh, cool. So yeah, I'm down. And I like the director. I think the director is an interesting choice for this too. I mean, Vogel touched upon it just like people mm-hmm. having fun doing what they're doing. Like yeah. one of the things that I loved about the first Ocean's Eleven is those guys look like they were just having a blast. And, oh, yeah. you know, I think you kind of had the law of diminishing returns of the next two movies. But <laughs> that first one, when they were all getting together for the first time, it looked like they were just having fun. And that's the yeah. vibe that you get from this trailer, even yeah. though there is sort of a, a slight been there, done that quality to it. Um, you know, th- just the fact that they they look like they're having fun playing off of each other. Yeah. Like that's that's one of the things that I love about like a, like a se- old seasoned improv team. Like you see people that have this history that can just you know finish finish each other's sentences. Um, and I'm I'm thinking that's probably best case scenario we get a fantastic movie. Worst case scenario we get to see some some of our favorite stars. You know play around for about 90 minutes and have have fun and look good while they're doing it but the lost city comes out march 25th and the next trailer oh my goodness so the first trailer for uncharted sometimes when we record our show the trailers drop the next day and by the time we get to our next recording more stuff is dropped so it feels like ah it feels like it's kind of old to go back to it but (laughs) uncharted is literally my favorite video game ever and we got the second trailer. A lot of folks had some feelings on the first one. Um, a lot of folks have had feelings on the movie up to this point. Just the fact that they are going a little, they're doing their own thing. I mean, they're they are kind of taking uh, some inspiration from a, from one section of Uncharted 3 where Nate Drake was a little younger and he meets Victor Sullivan for the first time. And they're, they're taking that idea and kind of running with it. I mean, it's very much... In the multiverse of Uncharted, this they are telling their own story. Um, this trailer, 
I'm encouraged. I finished that first trailer. I'm like, that looks like a decent movie. I don't know if it really looks like an Uncharted movie. This one feels it's starting to edge more and more into that Uncharted territory. But I've already talked too much about this because <laughs> I, I want to hear what you guys have to say first. Then I'll finish. Then I'll finish my Uncharted thoughts. Gentlemen, what did we think of that <laughs> look at Uncharted? <laughs> uh, I went backwards on this one. So I'm, I'm in the opposite camp of, of you, Shannon, because I'm just like, ah, we're going to be quippy. I, I don't know. I just to me, it just it didn't work for me 100 percent. The action sequences did. I mean. Pulling that sh those two ships out of the jungle. That is awesome. But please, for the love of God, can we kill slow motion and action films? Don't do it anymore. It's so ridiculous. Uh, and it, I, I wonder if it's an homage to Spidey going in slow motion. I have the Washington Monument there in Spider-Man Homecoming, the way he does it near the end of the uh, of the trailer on the ship. I don't know. But like I, I just, to me, it didn't 100% work. And then the whole thing of puberty and the joke about the mustache. I don't But I'm not on. I've never played Uncharted. So I don't know how how much they're diving into the actual story from the games, but overall this feels to me like a run of the mill action film, and I wanted to feel coming out of it a little more excited because I liked that first trailer. This one just kind of sent me backwards. So, Mike, I'm in. I'm on yeah. board. Let's do right. it. I am on the Uncharted. I'm on the Uncharted ship. Let's go, toot toot, motherfuckers. I'm in. I, uh, yeah, I mean, like, I am in the middle because I have played Uncharted. I think Uncharted okay. is a great game, but I'm not I'm not obsessed with it the way Shannon is. In fact, Shannon has was the one who showed me Uncharted. So I, I think the game is a lot of fun, but I'm not 100% invested in the characters and the storyline where any deviation is going to bug me. So the fact that this is kind of its own thing... Uh, kind of has the names and the faces uh, and and kind of the vibe of Uncharted. Mm. Um, like, I think it's great. I Mark Wahlberg is like a plus minus for me. Like, he's not a negative. He's not a positive. He just exists. And he is either good or not, depending on the role. And it's like, okay, I you're, you're not, you're probably not my top choice for this, but you're fine. Mm. I think Tom Holland is amazing so and spectacular and so i think he could he he could be in as many franchises as he wants and i'm on board to see it and i also felt like i thought the first trailer was a lot of fun i was like this looks yeah. promising i'm down i'm into seeing it the second one with just a little bit more of the uh unlocking the clues uh you know solving the riddles uh the backstory of this treasure that antonio banderas gives you mm. and then yeah kind of the big set piece of we're gonna pull two ships out of the ground uh and fly through the air with these pirate ships i was like yeah like 10 year old me is a thousand percent on board that this is going to be the greatest thing ever so let's go see it i, I think it's going to be great i think it's okay. well cast it looks like a lot of fun Again, it's a really well cut trailer. I could absolutely go see this movie and be like, yeah. "Man, they really, they really did not stick that landing at all." But as of right now, um, I think that Uncharted has all of the potential uh, yeah. makings of a okay. great franchise for Sony. Even though it's Ruben Fleischer who directed the first Venom movie, you still feel that way. You still feel that way. I'm saying, I'm saying that I think that this trailer looks great. <laughs> And I don't mind the quips. I think this is this oh. is the kind of movie. This is the kind of movie where I'm like, yes, this is where you should be quippy. I don't need pathos. Like, give me like this is good. Quip okay. away. Nate, and please, Nate, Nate Drake is a quippy character. Yeah, that's fine. Like, that's he, fine. He, he, he is full I, I, on a quippy character. But that's to, fine. That's to, fine. but to your point, John, the biggest red flag for me is is Ruben Fleischer. If if he yeah. if, the, if the movie doesn't have the word Zombie Land in the title, I have not enjoyed any of his movies thus far. He Fair. seems sort of like 
he seems like a hired gun director. Mm-hmm. And the revolving door of directors that they did have, mm-hmm. some very promising, some sort of like, oh, well, why? Um, this is the one that I'm kind of like, ah, th- this is not the direct. This is not a directorial choice that gives me a lot of a lot of faith because I thought the first one of the first Venom trailers. I'm like, oh, that looks decent, um, but. Tom Holland as a younger Nate Drake. I mean, some of the moves that he's doing when he's on the the pirate ship and he gives a yeah. guy a knee to the chest, that's that's straight out of the video game. A lot of the movements he's doing look like Nate Drake from the games. Right. Um, the, the the cargo plane sequence, they're sort of taking inspiration from a sequence in Uncharted 3. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're so the action looks great. I mean, the whole the pirate ship, I mean, that's that's taking uncharted game action and plussing it. I mean, it's it it looks like a blast. Yeah. The Wahlberg. The Sully Nate relationship, which you know they wouldn't have gotten to yet, it's just such a fun, quippy relationship. And like yeah. Mark Wahlberg, he's just not Sully. Like he's just not—he's not that guy. Even yeah. when he shows up at the end with that little pencil-thin stash, I'm like, that's not Sully's stash. Sully's got a big—he's got a big bushy stash. Like I would love to see a world where George Clooney played Sully. I'm like, that would have been—that would have been hilarious. But I'm still on board enough that. That, uh, you know, I'm obviously going to see it opening weekend. I'll probably see it twice just because of my loyalty to the brand. Um, I I hope we get a great movie, but we'll see. And Uncharted comes out February 18th uh, in like two months. Wow. And can we give your actress of color more than one line in the whole fucking trailer? Is that that too much to ask? She's literally the other main character in that trio. Uh, Anyway, all right, let's go to break here. We're going to talk about... The main topic, which is jumping into the Batman trailer, the new Batman, the Bat the Cat trailer that came out, uh, and also jumping into some more DC news. So very much DC-heavy topic, main topic here, right after the break. Let's see what Shannon's got for us lined up. Batman! Batman! Batman. Yeah, it's, it's not bad. Batman. Like it's a good choice. It's a good choice. Uh, that's the music they're going to use. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah. 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 Some yeah. To Definitely it. tonally feels right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's jump into our main topic here. And that is the DC uh, movie news that is happening here. We got uh, this new trailer that dropped. Uh, I literally came off the plane rushed home turned on all the lights and reacted to this trailer because uh it just looked fantastic from the clips i or it's from the pictures i'd seen online had to watch this the bat and the cat uh this one focusing more on zoe uh, kravitz's character of the cat woman her version of the cat woman in this movie but also for me i came away with some interesting questions about the riddler and interesting questions about this thing about alfred as well what does that mean so we're going to get into that and also talk about the fact that michael keaton is now going to uh come back and be a part of was it uh a, a Batgirl? Is that correct? And then Michael Shannon is going to come back and and reprise his role as General Zod, uh, along with, oh, I forget the actress's name, who plays the other, the, the, her, his female second in command. I'm looking it up right now. Yeah, she will be coming back as well, and they're going to be part of the Flash movie. So apparently, Flashpoint is going to be Spider Man No Way Home times seven. So, uh, Mike, let's start with you. What was your reaction to the trailer that we got here? And what's your reaction to this news? Well, the news was definitely not Spider-Man No Way Home Time 7, but it's interesting. Um, oh, but, uh, Patty. All right. I, well, I mean, I'm just saying. It's like, didn't, oh, I don't know. I don't know that, uh, well. I just mean that all these characters coming back is all I'm saying. Yeah. yeah cool. Um, I think that uh, the Bat and the Cat trailer was really, really great to me. I think that uh, I was I was really into it. 
I liked seeing more of Zoe, Zoe Kravitz. I also yeah. liked seeing Robert uh, Pattinson acting in the Bat costume. Like, yeah. Which I realized, like, in the earlier trailer, like, we got a lot of, like, very moody shots. But here, just him and Selena, kind of, like, the back and forth between them. You really got to see, A, him really emoting in that bat costume. And you really also got to see, both in that and the fight sequences, how that bat costume moves. And obviously, we all know from Michael Keaton to today, I mean, the movement in that bat costume is always a big thing. Like, Michael Keaton couldn't turn his neck. Uh, and so it's always a thing where they're plussing it. And here, I mean, some of those fight shots at the end with him and Zoe Kravitz, like, uh, really just looked like they were right out of the Arkham games. I mean, you really got some really awesome-looking action sequences that were really well shot, really well choreographed. So I thought that was a lot of fun. Um, I think Zoe Kravitz looks great. I think the chemistry between them, just based on the trailer, uh, looks really, really good. And yeah, to your point about what uh, what the Riddler's kind of deal is here and why he's kind of focused on Batman slash potentially Bruce Wayne um, and what's going on. I mean, you know, there's been a lot of stories, you know, the, the Batman story has been told a thousand different ways in the comics. And sometimes the Waynes, you know, are, are amazing. And Thomas Wayne is perfect. And sometimes you find out that Thomas Wayne maybe did some things that, uh, that, uh, some made some sacrifices to get where he needed to be or to do what he needed to do. And it definitely seems like in this version, in Matt Reeves version of Batman, we're going to find out that, uh, the Wayne family has some bigger secrets beyond uh, a pearl necklace in an alley. So I think that, Al and it seems like Alfred knew about it, and uh, it'll be interesting. So I, I, I was really encouraged by this trailer. I thought getting a little bit more of the story than we got, getting more Riddler, I mean, it definitely is straight up Batman by way of seven. I mean, it's mm. just, it's a thousand percent. This looks just like it's it's dark and wet and cold and creepy, and like it, it's it's the Batman seven movie. Um, but like I said, the action looked great. The dynamics looked great. Like I, I was super into this trailer. I was like, all right, I'm ready. Bring the movie like this. I, I'm very, very curious to see what this is going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Shan. I mean, I've enjoyed each trailer more and more. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, when, when we, I think when we first, right after the first DC fandom, when we got our first look, um, you know, we had heard that this was basically going to be Batman year two. This is someone who does have some miles under his belt in terms of being Batman, but this is not a guy who has figured out how to navigate being Batman and being Bruce Wayne. And we're getting more, more of a sense of that. Like just mm -hmm. the, the one woman talking to him saying, you know, your family had a history of, you know, uh, philanthropic uh, activities and you don't seem to be doing very much. Um, the fact that he does look so kind of strung out, like he looks exhausted because yeah. he's out all night beating the crap out of bad guys. Um, and also the, this, this is a different relationship, at least on screen that we, than we've seen with, uh, with Alfred, that yeah. this is almost bordering on adversarial. Like this is a guy who is not going to leave you, but he is not down with what you're doing. And to find out, because Alfred has been with the family for years, that he has sort of the inside track on some of the things that maybe they shouldn't have been doing. Mm. Um, love the inclusion of Paul Dano. I mean, I love when your antagonist has respect for your protagonist. Mm. Um, when when he when he basically tells Batman, "You're not you're not as smart as I thought you were going to be." Like that is such a great cutting line again it's very kevin spacey and seven um zoe kravitz you know on paper when she basically says i've got nine lives that could read very silly hmm. she delivers it perfectly and she just 
she looks awesome in the action. And as Vogel said, this looks like an Arkham game, an Arkham, the Arkham City game come to life. And knowing that there are bullets in the chamber that they haven't really let out that much. And we've only seen a little bit of Colin Farrell's Oswald Cobblepot. We've only seen a little bit of Jeffrey White's uh, Gordon. Um, so to know that there's still more stuff coming is really, really encouraging. Um, as to the inclusions, the casting inclusions with Michael Shannon and mm -hmm. uh, I think her name's uh, Anchia Trow uh, mm -hmm. going to The Flash and Michael Keaton potentially going to Batgirl. I love that they're that they're they're using all the parts. You know, they're they're using everything on the table. I mean, in in a multiverse, like there's a there's a there's a world where Zod won. There's a world yeah. where Zod is cooperating. Maybe yeah. that's where we're going to meet Supergirl. Um, and Michael Keaton, Michael Keaton and Batgirl, I think is the most interesting one because whenever Batgirl comes out, I would have to assume that it would be after the flash, mm -hmm. but seeing what his relationship to the DC cinematic universe, what it's going to be. And he ends up in this, in this one particular universe where, uh jk simmons is gordon and we have and we have barbara gordon so mm. it's super super cool i mean i just finished um dope sick on hulu mm. which is a fantastic limited series and michael keaton does some really incredible work getting to see him and jk simmons together i i mean i hope i hope that we get some scenes of them together because those two guys going back and forth seems like it'll be awesome yeah, I, I well, sure. Go ahead, Mike. No, 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 no. Go ahead. Go okay, ahead. I, I liked the trailer. Really enjoyed it. Had a lot of fun, uh, you know, doing a reaction to it and and diving in deeper. I mean, that shot. I mean, I was going. I, I, I would. I would stop certain frames and and look at it, and analyze. I mean, there's that shot with with the circle and the and the question mark in the middle and little antenna frames. And what does it all mean? What are the names? What is it all connected to? What is he trying to prove? What is he trying to show? Um, what you know? What does this mean? And yeah, you know, I, I get the idea. You're saying, Shane, he's a little bit of a cut at him. You know, a little bit of a shot at him, saying you're not as smart as you thought you were. But this whole thing of like you lied to me, Alfred. What does that mean? You know? And uh, there have been a lot of rumors, and I'm kind of coming around these rumors. Although I think it kind of has shades of the Joker movie that he might be related in some way to Thomas Wayne as well. And what is that going to lead to? If this, if the Riddler is his half brother, what does that mean? Or did Thomas Wayne and did the Wayne Foundation absolutely stomp out like a certain section of the city and cause these people to lose their families or go or become homeless or destitute or poor or whatever? There could be all kinds of reasons for why this happens here. But I mean, once you're setting a bar this high, we've seen a story like that before in numerous other TV shows or movies. So you've got to have a unique take, a unique approach, an interesting approach that'll work, you know? And I do like what we're getting from Paul Dano. And I love that we've got a little more of an active Andy Circus. You know, one of my patrons was asking me about what do I feel about the fact that he's Alfred in this movie? And I like it. It's the right Alfred for this movie. This Alfred, after what Circus did with Ulysses Claw, you can absolutely <laughs> buy that Alfred served in some sort of secret service and British secret service and all of this. So there's more of that as opposed to Michael Caine, who was years removed from that time or Jeremy Irons. This feels like a more potent Alfred that could have some verbal back and forth with uh, Robert Pattinson that could, could be quite tough. Uh, and an interesting new color to see on screen between the both of them. Loved seeing Zoe Kravitz. I wasn't sold on her casting, to be honest with you. She bored me in the Fantastic Beasts movie, but that may be just be the Fantastic Beasts franchise. Uh, and I wasn't 100% sold, but seeing her in this, seeing her in High Fidelity, a couple episodes of High Fidelity, I'm she's really embracing her power. And the back and forth, as you said, Shannon, could have been cheesy. It's done really well. But also the trailer has fantastic score. 
and the cinematography once again with the new shots we got are excellent and some of the fight sequences with batman as you say mike as he moves in the costume they look even more incredible as you're watching them actually full on using the um uh, the things around him to maneuver his fights or his strikes it's fantastic so overall come away came away from this uh much more excited and also hoping we don't get much more if there's another trailer before it comes out which i think is in march I hope we don't get too much more in another trailer because I've seen enough. I'm good. Let's just watch the movie. Damn it. Um, on the other side of things, Michael Shannon coming in is great with, uh, with the German actress coming in. I, I love them reprising. They were great as general Zod. And was it Fiora Ull? They're great. Fiora, in, yeah. Yeah, Fiora Ull. They're great in those characters. So seeing them bring a certain menace to the flash movie. Now, what, what part are they going to play? Who are they going to counter? We're not going to have, Henry Cavill. So who, what is their role to play here in coming back and being a part of the flash series, flash movie? I wonder. Um, and Michael Keaton and Batgirl, that just seems like such a natural fit. And clearly he is becoming the essential, the essence, the, the Tony Stark of this whole new approach to the Batman universe. So could be fun to see what his role is going to be in Batgirl for sure. Yeah. I mean, look, I think it's kind of like what I was saying about Into the Spider-Verse earlier when we were talking about the box office. Like mm. the, the idea that they're opening up the multiverse in Flashpoint is great. Uh, Michael Keaton coming in is super exciting. The fact that he's going to sort of seemingly continue on and be our new Batman in a lot of ways yep. is also really interesting. So I think that that I'll be I'll be really curious to see how that sort of weaves into the Batgirl story that they're telling. Um, but just because you're putting a bunch of people into a movie doesn't mean that you can pull it off. I mean, I think we even right, were saying sure. as we were getting close to No Way Home coming out in those last few trailers, it was like, look, the expectations on this movie are so huge yeah. and there's so many characters and so many things to service and, you know, are they going to be able to do all of this or is it going to collapse under its own weight? And Marvel, you know, once again, like pulled off the hat trick and figured out a way to service each one of those characters, all the storylines, storylines from the Raimi's trilogy, uh, from the spectacular, from the from the from the Andrew Garfield trilogy, and really still making it Tom Holland's movie. Yeah, I I don't know that I'm as confident. I'm super excited, and I do think, and we've said this a thousand times, like we're definitely at a turning point. Like if they if DC pulls this off and uses Flashpoint to sort of reset the stage for their universe going forward so that we now understand that Batfleck and Henry Cavill are out, that Michael Keaton and Supergirl are in. You know, like, there's ways that they can reset this stage and have us all go, okay, got it. The past is the past. I like this universe. Let's move forward. Um, given their more spotty track record, I'm not as convinced that they can pull it off. So the more people that they announce coming into it, the more that I'm like, okay... It's not as easy as Marvel makes it look. Let's see how you do. <laughs> well, it's going to be interesting coming down with uh, with the director, with Andy Muschietti. I mean, yeah. It Chapter One, that's one of the best horror movies I've seen in a long time. Granted, I don't watch a ton of horror because I'm a big chicken. Um, but It Chapter Two, not as good. So, yeah. it, you know, I mean, it's it's kind of a roll of the dice with him. I mean, the... The, the picture that they're painting, just the fact that they are leaning into that there were two Ezra's in the trailer. Yeah. It's like, okay, you are you are fully stepping into this. But I, I do understand what, what Mike's saying is that just because you have all the cool parts doesn't mean they're necessarily going to come all together. Yeah. Yeah, and this could be the Supergirl part of this. Supergirl could be the one going against Zod and against uh, Faro. That could be the way they kind of 
make that work in a way of having someone from the super family taking on taking him on. That could be interesting for sure. Mike, Mike, you, know, you make a great point. I mean, DC doesn't have the greatest track record necessarily of getting these things right and certainly really upping the stakes and upping the ante in a film like this that has gone through, as Shannon mentioned, with uh, Uncharted numerous directors before they landed on someone like Andy Muschietti, uh, who is damn good. And I, and I do give him a little leeway on the second half of it because that the second half of it isn't that great. I mean, the first half of it is fantastic. The book, the second half of it for me, that's not 100% work. The whole clown stuff, all of that, and how easily they beat him. It isn't as isn't as cool as the first half so i don't fault him for that second film not being as strong um i'm gonna keep huh. going till i get 20 <laughs> 20 headcocks from mike vogel uh <laughs> interesting interesting opinions. i don't think that word means what you think it means <laughs> but yeah opinions. <laughs> but yeah but overall but i, I trust muschietti i think he's a fantastic director so i have faith that they're gonna get it right and it'll it'll be different from no way home yet it'll feel possibly like home no way home so that excites me but um yeah, uh, but I wonder if the Batman, uh, Michael Keaton, Batman, Batgirl thing is them either replacing the idea of doing a Batman Beyond with him as kind of this uh, mentor or possibly this is some, kind of a maybe dry run for that possibility down the road, seeing how it works out with Batgirl and is he going to be a mentor of some kind or some kind of what's his role to play here as an older Batman? How is it going to work? Because what universe is Batgirl uh, happening in? You know, where are they going to settle with that? All of that still needs to kind of be settled, I think. So I, I, I'm curious to see what role he's going to play in that, you know? Yeah, I mean, you know, they are clearly from the thing that we saw at DC fandom, they are leaning on the nostalgia of 1989's Batman. Yeah, like true. They, they got true. that score in there. You see the briefest, briefest glimpse of the outline of the Batmobile. Yeah. So people, I mean, people love, people love Michael Keaton in that role. I mean, but mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's kind of what happens after a Batman has hung up their, ha has hung up their cape um, that the fan base comes out of the woodwork. Like, Oh, like, and because you saw it happen with Affleck. I mean, when Affleck oh, was yeah. basically done, I mean, everyone's like, no, he was great. He was great. We're seeing um, it now, Shannon, with Andrew Garfield. Everybody wants an Andrew Garfield third Spider-Man movie now. Mm. <laughs> mm. Oh, sorry, Shane. Go ahead. No, I mean, I just it, it, it'll it'll be interesting to see if they're able to uh, navigate this story because there are a lot of there's a lot of pieces right now, mm -hmm. and if all those pieces fit together, it's going to be interesting. But at the end of the day, like you know, I, I said this as we got at Aquaman. I mean, I, did I think it was a great movie? No, but I got an Aquaman movie, which I can't believe. <laughs> so mm -hmm. the fact that we're getting a Flash movie after all these years has me excited yeah i mean look it's like what's exciting is and we've talked about this you know ever since justice league came out but like that that there are nobody really even me and i'm probably the least of a fan of the lot of, of the dc universe as it as it currently stands out of the three of us yeah. i actually don't want them to reboot everything because there's parts that they've gotten right there's mm. characters that are really good like there's good stuff but how, how do you keep part of it and not all of it how do you say well Cavill's out, Batfleck doesn't want to do it anymore, but we really like Wonder Woman and Aquaman, and Harley's pretty cool, and yeah. we did sort of whiff it on the Joker, but like we and how do you how do you reboot without rebooting? And the way you do it is have Flash break the multiverse mm -hmm. and have Michael Keaton help him put it back together again, but when they put it back together, it looks a little bit different. Yeah. And that kind of allows you, and so as you see this movie that goes, hey, we're bringing in a new Batman a new Kryptonian and the big bad that everybody kind of generally liked, 
and maybe they're all staying around. Like maybe this is the new Batman and super person, super girl that we're going to have currently in the DC universe and moving forward. And this is the new shape of the land. And if they can pull that off, if they can make all that work in this movie and get us all on board with it and it all makes sense and says, hey, from Flashpoint on, this is the DC universe, they'll be in pretty good shape. Yeah, certainly possible. And it's not like DC doesn't have a history of doing that in the comics, of completely yeah. re- rebooting their universe and starting all over again. So multiple times. Uh, all right, well, there you go. That's our main discussion, uh, DC movie news related here for the Geek Buddies. Thank you all so much for watching this entire episode. We appreciate it madly. Uh, Shannon, what do we have to tell them? Yeah, I'd like to follow us on social media on Twitter. It's at geek underscore buddies on Instagram at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung on Instagram at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow Mr. Vogel, especially from Northern California, and you want to let him know that <laughs> they don't actually think less of Los Angeles, that's at MK Toon. <laughs> if you would like to follow Mr. Roca, oh. it's at the Roca says. That's good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, Michael. <laughs> Listen, to all of our fans, no matter where you live even if it is in northern california because i got no beef with you uh it's you who got beef with me uh <laughs> interesting we, opinions <laughs> we love uh we love everything that you guys do for us you guys are amazing you guys are awesome fans uh we love doing this every week with you so here is how we can all continue to do it all together in 2022 uh hit the like button below uh subscribe to johnny's outlaw nation page over here check out all the amazing content that is uh up there including tons more geek buddies content if that is your bag uh leave some comments below let us know what you thought of all this let us know what you think of the new batman trailer uncharted uh what do you think of the latest box office numbers for matrix and spider-man what do you think of san francisco and los angeles let us know all of it below in the comments if you are listening to us on uh, spotify or apple Podcasts or anywhere the podcasts are available take a quick second leave some stars leave some comments it helps us go up in the rankings and as always the best thing that you guys can do is retweet this video post it to your socials tell all your friends to check out the geek buddies uh so that as we go into 2022 with a ton more geek stuff to listen to to talk about to uh just take in um let everybody know that this is the place to take it in yeah and let us know if you're team rock or team vin diesel down in the comment section below as well a little twilight action there and thanks to carbon health who sponsors and powers everything we do here on the outlaw nation including the geek buddies they're an amazing place to go and get your health care service or healthcare needs serviced go to carbonhealth.com and see all the multiple avenues you can explore to address any of your concerns health-wise there from them thank you so much for being a part of uh the outlaw nation and the geek buddies all right we'll talk to you next time with another brand new episode here from the geek buddies probably heard the name Mary Queen of Scots and maybe you know the importance of her legacy to the British monarchy but how much do you know about her life and what she was really like for instance did you know that she preferred to have her eggs scrambled or that giving gifts was her love language in my podcast vulgar history we'll be talking about all that and more during an eight-part mini-series about the fascinating life of Mary Queen of Scots Vulgar History is a feminist women's history comedy podcast where we don't shy away from the messy, complicated lives of women from the olden times. 
Particularly with women in history, it's easier to use broad strokes to portray who they were. And it's like we forget they probably also had messy lives, complicated relationships, and maybe things weren't as black and white as they might seem in a textbook. But I'm dedicated to sharing the sides of the stories we don't always hear, and each episode is supported by rigorous historical research. Turns out there's really something about Mary Queen of Scots. So be sure to turn into my series about Mary Queen of Scots and check out the other incredible women I've talked about while you're there. You can listen and subscribe to Vulgar History wherever you get your podcasts and learn more at vulgarhistory.com.